office, baby! Woo! For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall be not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, between the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 67 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Back at it again, another week. I realize this, I mean, it's too late to say it for last week, but, you know, last week was our Order 66 episode. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Goose tried to Order 66 you on that death machine of his. Yeah, he did. No, he did. I mean, you know. All in good fun. I got you. I got you. Um, before we get into the uh, everything this week, uh, just want to give a quick shout out to my sister and Goose. They're having uh, a rough week. Um, one of their dogs, Zoe, got shot yesterday and she didn't make it. That's incredibly sad. Uh, yeah, man. And um, I found out about it last night, I guess, you know, a little bit after it happened and... I was so pissed off I couldn't sleep last night. Like, what kind of fucking white trash asshole shoots a little Boston Terrier? You're talking like a 20, 25-pound dog at the most. Sweet, not aggressive in the least, man. I I, I hope that dude feels like a big fucking uh, tough dude with his fucking gun shooting a little helpless defensive animal. I mean, here's the thing. The dog was like docile and sweet it's not like the dog was aggressive or gonna mm-hmm. hurt anybody like talk about one of the sweetest dogs you know like there's a special place in hell for people that are cruel to animals yep yep and and i know it's just some fucking macho stupid redneck bullshit oh your dog is on my land my land my land get my gun shoot your dog fucking assholes man fucking assholes so everybody, just uh, send some positive vibes their way, man. They're going through a tough spot right now, and, and that really sucks, man. Yeah, really it does. sucks. Um, uh, on a less important note, uh, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, do that at Blue Harvest Pod. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com/blueharvestpodcast, and you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We got shirts and shit available. 
at tpublic.com slash blue harvest. Search and shit. tpublic.com blue harvest slash blue harvest podcast. Um, so, um, this week we have some pretty good news, but before we get into that, how's your week been, buddy? It's been good. Right on. Right on. You were uh, telling me before we started recording, you were playing some of that Battlefield 1 beta? Yeah, downloaded it last night. <clears throat> Played a little bit of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Battlefield 1 beta. Um, it's just, you know, historical first-person shooter. That's right up my alley. And, uh, I like history. And I like first-person shooters. And uh, um, the sniping game is strong. There's a bunch of glitches. It's a beta, obviously. But, uh, right. his, you know, historically, it's fun. Yeah, and if history... Well, you know, they they did all right with Star Wars. Uh, Battlefield 4, though, had a pretty rough um, launch when it first came out. So hopefully that won't be the case. 4, yeah. And I was not, not impressed. I feel like I played a lot more of Battlefield 3 than 4 and uh to be honest the the modern shooter and like you know set in like a a real world quote unquote um setting with real guns and stuff doesn't really interest me but Battlefield 3 was pretty fun. Um, Battlefield 3 was fun. I played a lot of that with you. Uh before that, I played a lot of I played the Bad Company. Bad Company 1 and Bad Company 2, both Battlefield games. Those were a lot of fun. Right on. Uh, so you just downloaded it last night, so you missed all the uh, server problems and stuff they were having over the last couple of days. Oh yeah, I missed I missed that big back. Of, excuse me, big batch of server problems. But it's still. I mean, it's still got a couple glitches. It's still. Uh, it's a beta. You know, you'll be you'll be waiting in one loading screen and be like, "What's going on here? Something's funny." Yeah, and I'm not sure. I haven't really kept up with it because it's not a game I'm super interested in. There's other stuff coming out around the same time that interests right. me way more. Titanfall 2 and Gears of War 4. Um, but uh, apparently, like, maybe their servers got attacked by hackers or something. I was reading something online, but like I said, I didn't pay much attention to it. Cause... I, had, I had heard that as well, that they were suffering from denial of service attacks. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't know why. Like, who would do that to a beta? That doesn't sound like something anonymous would do. Like, they're mostly politically charged. No, it, uh, it's definitely not anonymous. Um, anonymous does like a lot of social justice stuff where they go after like assholes and pedophiles and shit like that. Um, right. You know, uh, honestly, it's a lot of times it comes down to just a group of punk ass kids doing it because they can. And Too smart for their own good. Also, EA is not the most well-regarded video game company out there, so <laughs> people like to take shots at them, too. So, Yeah. It could have been, honestly, any number of things, but if I had to guess, it's one of those two. Um, so do you want to get into a very Rogue One-centric news segment this week? Boy, you know I do. So this week has been pretty big. For the Rogue One stuff, um, Tuesday night, Internet, uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, started releasing images of all the Jin Erso merchandise that's coming out. And then in the um, days that followed, they released a whole lot more stuff. And we've gotten pretty much a, a look at uh, what looks like everything coming on this year's Force Friday event, which I believe they're calling Rogue Friday. And that oh, is that's cool. uh, September 30th. So, 
about three weeks from now. I will be lining up at my out of the no, out in the middle of nowhere Walmart, hoping to strike gold like I did last year. I'm pretty sure that you will, just because I know that Walmart, and you're surrounded by, you know, nobody that's going to be there. Unless everybody gets wise from the rest of Birmingham, and it's like, hey, let's go to that one Walmart that nobody will probably be at. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm worried about. The other thing I'm wor- worried about is the fact that. You and I and two other dudes were the only people that showed up for Force Friday next year or last year. Uh, maybe that means the Walmart over here isn't going to do it this year, but who knows? I'm pretty sure all four of us had beards. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I wonder if uh, the crew that put it on is the same crew that's going to put it on, you know, this Rogue Friday. And they're like, I wonder if those four bearded guys are coming back. Well, one of them, if you're putting product out uh, at midnight, one of them is definitely going to be there. I got some pops, and I got some figures to get Walmart, so hook a brother up. We were we were taking no chances on Force Friday. Like, it was tactical. We showed up and got a basket full of stuff, and they were like, I don't, I don't know if you can get all <laughs> that. And I was like, oh, really? Well, that's funny. Let me just sneak over here eight miles away and hide. Yeah, hide in the camping section for an hour and a half. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about it, like, because we went, we showed up there about ten, ten or ten thirty last year, and and it was definitely overkill. Like, we could have shown up probably at eleven fifty five, and I still would have been able to get the stuff I wanted. And I was thinking, yeah. you know what, this year I'm not going to go that early, but I bet you I do. I bet you I'm there, maybe even a little earlier, because my paranoia will get to me. I mean, um, why not? They had Star Wars cupcakes and pins. You know, they had some cool Star Wars swag that you should get in on. Definitely a cupcake. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll see how it goes this year. Um, so we'll real quickly, we'll sort of run through um, what's going to be on offer this year. Um, and it does look like it's going to be a a little bit lighter of a rollout than the Force Awakens. Um, and there's even stuff that's not Rogue One related mixed into. Um, some of the products so it's kind of interesting last year you know everything that came out was pretty much solely the force awakens uh related um for the most part there were were some outliers um but in the regular three and three quarter inch line it looks like we're going to get uh in the first wave at least a gen urso a k2so a imperial ground crew figure um and if you look at that 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 link I sent you, that that figure all the way on the left next to Jen Urso, yeah, that is the Imperial Ground Crew. And if you notice that flight suit or whatever it's wearing, that is the suit that she's wearing from that uh, last shot in the first Rogue One trailer. Okay, that everybody thought was like a Death Star gunner suit or maybe a Tie Fighter suit. Um, apparently it's going to be something called the Imperial Ground Crew. Um. I just want to know what that jetpack or what that what that gear is on his back. You see that? That's all that extra bullshit they've been packing in with the three and three quarter inch figures. Oh, I thought that was going to be something legit. I thought he was going to have like a jetpack or like fighter wings or something. Yeah, I don't think so. Granted, I could be wrong, but it looks like it's just some extra quote unquote play value bullshit that they like to throw in there to ugly up the package. Right. Um, and along with that, you're also getting, there's going to be a regular stormtrooper that you can also switch in out in and out his gear to turn him into like a sand trooper and stuff. 
And oh, that's neat. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. They're doing a Kylo Ren figure. It's just the the same Kylo Ren from the previous uh, previous run of small figures. So nothing really new there. Although I did hear that maybe the visor is done in like a a real chrome metallic reflective paint, but. Well, that's cool. I don't know if it's enough to get me to rebuy that figure again. And then you're getting a Kanan in Stormtrooper disguise and Sabine uh, figure. So they're mixing in some Rebels stuff, too. Um, it's going to be... And which is interesting because, like I said, you know, the, the first wave of figures from last year were all about The Force Awakens. And this makes me wonder if they're... You know, just trying to mix thing up things up a bit so every facet of Star Wars fan is representative. What represented whether you're you're just looking for the new characters and the new stuff, or if you're just into Rebels, or if you're into all of it, you're going to pick up everything. I don't know if it's that, or if it's like maybe a lack of confidence that the Rogue One stuff is going to sell as well. But guys, it's Star it, Wars stuff. Fans are gonna are gonna pick it up. I'm imagining. They've got their fingers crossed trying to sell, trying to hope Kylo Ren is the new Darth Vader, you know, and really hoping that kids are going to be like, oh, Kylo Ren, you know, just like they are about Darth Vader. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think they've uh, they've succeeded fairly well in that. Uh, I think they came up and really it all comes down to the design Um, because, you know, as a kid, I didn't really care much about the character of Darth Vader. I knew he was the bad guy and he looked cool. You know, and uh, oh yeah, they've done that with Kylo Ren. So I think they've been fairly successful on that front, and maybe they're just wanting to keep that character in the rotation to keep it fresh and keep it in kids' minds or something. Plus, um, he's on all the packaging in place of where Darth Vader was. Well, not this on year. All the packaging this year, the Rogue One cards have the Death Trooper. Really? Yeah, yeah. The well, that's the, cool. Yeah, it's um, you know, the Force Awakens stuff sort of had a red color scheme with uh, Kylo Ren, and then like you know the artwork on the side. It's very similar, except it's a black and blue color scheme with a Death Trooper, and then the artwork of the character on the side. Well, now that I think about it, they may be trying to maximize on the figure with this helmet, or trying to use that mold or whatever, because as far as we know. You know, you may not see that exact same helmet again unless Kylo Ren goes with that design <laughs> for his, for next, his helmet. next outfit. Yeah. You know, that is I would, true. I would think they would switch it up, though. You know, just I would think they would. Well, yeah. On one hand, you would think that, like, having him leave his helmet behind in Starkiller Base, or at least that's what we assume he did, that they would. And, and you know, changing changing up his design is another way to sell Another Kylo Ren figure this time next year when the next That's Force Friday is coming around. But also you've got the Darth Vader thing where you might want to stick to a solid design, especially all the work. Like if you look in the Art of Force Awakens book, the amount of designs they went through to get to that final Kylo Ren design is crazy. So they yeah. may want to stick with that design and sort of build the brand of this sequel trilogy you know, on the design of that villain. So. I agree. I think that really the only way you could benefit from changing it is to, you know, if you were, you know, obviously he's going to be more immersed in the dark side. But if you can make him more villain-esque and less tortured, right. you know, more purely evil, if the mask reflects that, 
then that could be, you know, a sign of growing up from like junior to master or, you know. Right, right. Um, well, moving on to that, we've got three vehicles this year. This is definitely, definitely um, a reduction in vehicles because last year we had the two different versions of the X-Wing, one of which was an exclusive to, I think, Walmart. Right. Um, and we had, you know, the new TIE Fighter. We had um, Ray Speeder. We had, um, and then we had the stuff that didn't even really show up in the movie, like the Snow Speeder and the uh, Elite All Black Speeder bike and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, this year it looks like we're just, and granted, this is just the first wave. There may be more vehicles and stuff around Christmas time or, or shortly thereafter. Oh, you know there will be. But uh, it looks like we're getting the TIE Striker, the U-Wing, and the new AT-ACT at ACT. Um, um, vehicles. Now, the one that is most interesting to me is the AT ACT because, you know, that is um, remote controlled. It's controlled by your smartphone. Is it really? Yeah, and uh, they showed that off at Comic-Con this year, and it got a really positive reaction. The fact that it is $300 means I will be waiting for that bitch to go on clearance. <laughs> means I will be watching YouTube videos of people playing with theirs. I'm telling you, one day Walter will get chased around by this thing. But it's going to be once it's cheaper than 300 bucks. Right. You know... Um, the the tie striker um it it remind it, it reminds me of a tie fighter i've seen before where it had those exact same fins but three of them yeah in a triangle formation was it the intrepid or something i can't remember i wasn't that that might have been in like a rebel assault game or something or it might have been maybe even it's in been tie a long fighter time. yeah yeah i know the design you're talking about um and it is very similar to that where it's got sort of the elongated cockpit and the sort of blade look. It's like if you took a Interceptor's wings and cut them in half. Yeah. And used each half as a wing. Right. Um, and those come with, like, uh, the the nerf function, functionality where, like, they fire nerf darts and shit. It's cool. Oh, okay. I mean, I know a lot of people bitch about it. But as a kid, if I had a TIE fighter or a U-wing that shot out or an X-wing that shot out uh, nerf darts, I would have thought that was the shit. You kidding me? You'd be shooting those at your cats all day. Pew pew. I'd be shooting those at my other Star Wars vehicles. Um, as far as these go, I, I'm gonna wait on the U-wing just because I'm I'm not a huge fan of the uh, the paint job. It's a little plain. It looks like they could have roughed it up and dirtied it up a bit yeah. to make it look a little more interesting. Now the Tie Striker, I will probably go for that. I think that's a pretty badass looking ship. Um, as and, I'm looking at the U-wing. It's something that's really neat is that the whole cockpit part of it, mm -hmm. the cockpit in the middle, kind of reminds me of a Y-Wing, like the front section of a Y-Wing. Yeah. Yeah, um, I can see that. The thing that's disappointing, um, and I realize this is probably a uh, a cost thing, trying to keep the cost down, but the U-Wing in the movie, I believe, is a lot bigger because it's it's a troop transport. and And this makes it look more like a, um, you know, like a personal fighter. Starfighter, um, yeah. And you see the two bits that come out in the front. I, I like to call it the tuning fork area. Yeah. That So how it is right there, how it's configured right there, that's for like in-atmosphere flying. When it goes yeah. into space, those fold back transformer style into wings. 
like that go behind it for like space flight. Whoa. So that's, that's kind of cool. cool. Um, um, it looks like a Cadillac, and I don't know why, but maybe I'm just thinking like a Cadillac with fins, like a 1950s. It just seems gotcha. heavy, and I don't know. I got gotcha. you. I can kind of see it. Um, after that, we've got my uh, focus of uh, collecting the Black Series. And, and those look really good, by the way. Um, look, we, you got to keep in mind that these pictures we're looking at right now, that's the Hasbro money shots. I've money seen shot. I've seen some of these uh, out of package. People have gotten them early and done reviews on them on YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that. So they do not look this good. Now, the K2SO Black Series figure looks pretty damn good. I will say that. The Jin looks pretty great, but I'm still... I don't know why they can't get better facial detail or painting on these lady characters, man. I, dude, I was just about to say, <laughs> what is it about the female face that is so hard to portray on a Black Series figure? I don't know. Well, because, you know, um, Leia from Return of the Jedi, the two Leia figures they've done, they've done her in, like, the Jabba's Dancing Girl outfit, and right. they've done her in the Boosh Bounty Hunter disguise. Both yeah. of those have decent face sculpts and paint jobs on them. Now, the pictures I've seen of a new Hope Leia look god-awful. Um, so... You know that's uh, that's disappointing. I don't know if it's a uh, a production issue where they're trying to get these out so fast that they can't concentrate on doing a decent paint job. Because you know I've seen pictures of like the you know people that repaint the Ray Black <laughs> series. Dude, get out of my brain! You're you're literally living in my brain. I was about to say there's a guy online that'll you know, paint it up for you and it'll look just like her. Yeah. So that to me says that it's not so much the sculpt. That's the issue, you know, cause he's not doing, job. doing, yeah, it's the paint job. He's not doing any yeah, work on the, the sculpt. He's, he's not contouring the plastic. It's right. all paint. So from rogue one in this first wave, we're getting Jenner. So Cassie and Andor K2S2 and the Imperial death trooper. And there's also going to be a Ray figure and a unmasked Kylo figure. Um, if you saw that uh, European exclusive black series that my buddy Eric sent me, what's I up, Eric? That. Um, he uh, that's the same figure except it's not going to come with um, the extra shit: the Kylo helmet, the burnt Darth Vader helmet, the uh, the First Order flag. It's not going to come with any of that. Um, and I believe the Ray is the same Force Awakens Ray, um, but with the lightsaber. So you know, not huge differences there. Um, I feel like I'm blanking right now. Have we seen in a preview for Rogue One them being on a cold planet, like a snow planet? You know what's interesting? Yes, we have Jedha, the Jedi planet that we yeah. keep hearing about. It apparently is a desert planet that is permanently winter. So it's a cold desert planet. Oh, that's neat. And I bet up near the poles... It's, it's got probably like some snow ice and caps. ice caps and stuff. Okay. I was wondering why that why the Diego Luna character, you know, has the furry jacket. Right. And that's been a question for a little while. And now it turns out that, like, what would normally be a hot um, environment in Star Wars is going to be a cold environment. So, But uh, excited about those. I've seen some pictures of the uh, next set. <clears throat> and uh, I believe there's a director, Krennic, and some other figures in that. Um and it looks pretty decent. 
Um, after that, we've got the Funko Pops. These damn things that have uh, gotten my attention in the last year and a half or so, man. Yeah, that's your Star Wars crap right there. Yeah, that and, and Black Series, man. Uh, those are my two. That's what I go to stores and look for. And then if maybe I get lucky and find a uh, 3.75 figure I'm looking for. But uh, anybody that you would expect to be in pop form for Rogue One, you're going to get it. Um, there's, I think there's three different versions of Jen. There's a regular one, and then there's two that are exclusive to different retailers. There's two different Death Troopers, one of which is um, sort of a shiny metallic paint job. It's a Walmart exclusive. I believe the Saw Guerrera is a... Uh, Walmart exclusive. There are two different versions of Vader. There are all kinds of stuff. But any character you've seen in the trailers, um, or, t- or troop type even, except for the tank trooper, which bums me out. It looks like you're going to be getting those in uh, in pop form, and some of them look pretty cool, man. The yeah. Vader, the Vader pop looks like Stewie Darth Vader from the. <laughs> he kind of does from the Family Guy special. Yeah, he does. I really like the Krennic. I think the Krennic looks cool with the cape, the K2S2. I think so, too. If I could do a uh, a cosplay, like I think Director Krennic would be way, right up there. Right. On like one of my cosplays. Just to um, walk around like an angry badass with a white cape. Yes. Dude, and um, uh, you, I know they're not in the picture you're looking at right now, but the Chirrut uh, pop looks really cool. The Bay's pop looks really cool, so... You know, lots of good stuff to look forward to there, especially if you're into Pops, man. Like, it it looks like you're going to be well taken care of. Um, After that, we got the Elite Series. These are the die-cast metal six-inch figures that are Disney Store exclusive. I can't find these anywhere because we don't have a Disney Store anywhere, and they're, like, way marked up online. So, they're cool, you know. It's almost Disney's take on the Black Series in die-cast metal form. Um, after that, we got Lego, and Lego's bringing it big like they always do. It looks like we got a TIE Striker, a U-Wing. Uh, they're re-releasing that huge Death Star kit um, that had, uh, you know, it was a big deal a few years back. They're bringing that back. Um, I also saw, like, a tank and some other stuff. So, you know, if you're into Legos, once again, looks like you, you're going to be covered. That Death Star playset, 500 bucks. 500 oh, wow. large for that but it's cool yeah. it's cool and i mean then, that's how Le- lego gets you because really the coolest lego sets are when you make that one big giant thing and like when i was a kid there was shuttle right pirate ship you know the really big sets <clears throat> didn't have like really cool stuff till i started getting older you know then you had a star destroyer right uh, but you know you and i put together the clone trooper uh carrier yeah what is it's not the clone trooper carrier i cannot remember what that ship is it the republic command ship it's it's basically the previous version of the star destroyer it looks like a it's the attack of the clones version of the star destroyer that's yeah. a big set and it was cool it, too yeah to me that those are my favorite when you build you know when you spend the time to put all those pieces together and you build that one big badass ship like that that's very satisfying to me oh yeah me too um past that you got (coughs) excuse me you got your role-playing stuff which is like (coughs) 
<coughs> coughing. <coughs> uh, it's oh, like yeah. <coughs> Nerf guns, helmets, masks, that sort of thing. Um, Jack's Pacific is um, is bringing out a you know their normal line of big figures, which I think are cool. I don't really collect them just because of a space issue, but right, I do think they're cool. I, I have a couple um, that I think and are I, neat. I'm not you know a big collector of you know collectibles, but were I, I, I would do these big figures. I don't know what it is about them that I'm drawn to so much, but yeah, I really like those those big action figures they have a a big bb-8 coming out that i'm definitely gonna get i think it's pretty close to um um um, what's the word i'm looking for here life size um oh okay so that's one i'm definitely interested in uh i like their giant figures you know the ones they do that are like five feet tall or four four and a half feet tall like the vader and the stormtroopers and stuff i think those are cool um, Hot Wheels has their normal assortment of, you know, miniature ships and stuff coming out. And those are cool. They come with the little stands. And then... They just look really good, by the way. Yeah, they do. And then... They look really good. The motherfucking... Uh, my favorite Star Wars licensee. I'm going to go out there and say it. Fucking Bandai brings it big with the SH Fig Arts uh, line this year. And boy, those look on the money. And you know what's what sucks is those. Look at that. That is the same scale as a Black Series. Black Series got to get their shit together. They do because you know what? Those are more expensive. That you know, there's no two ways about it. Those SH Fig Arts, but you can find them if you get them right when they come out and don't wait until you know they go up in price. Like the harder to find ones, you can get them for forty to fifty bucks. And you know what? That's those figures. They're worth the. Uh, I actually broke down. I, I had been avoiding uh, collecting these, but I actually broke down and ordered my first Fig Arts line uh, uh, figure this week. Well, I'm going to tell you, dude, you're probably going to get your money's worth. And is it is it because Bandai has just had so much practice doing like Gundam and all this other kind of stuff with all the articulation and all the small scale parts and plastic you know, moldings? I don't know if it's that or if they've just... I don't know what it is, but they do such a, a bang-up job. The fig art's amazing. Like, I've got a um, a New Hope Luke on the way. And uh, part of the reason I went with that is because it's one that just really recently came out. And I figured I'd, I'd grab it while the price is still at a reasonable level. And the other reason is because I was so fucking disappointed by the um, the Black Series version of that very same figure. Yeah. He looks yeah, like a told- Ken doll. And, yeah. you know, Jeremy was awesome enough to find that thing for me, which I really appreciate. It was like, I'm not hating on that at all. It's just, you know, that once again, they did really good Luke Skywalker figures leading up to that. I don't know why the Black Series has started to take such a, a jump in quality. Um, yeah. The one thing about Fig Arts is I like to display my, my Black Series in package. Uh, the fig arts, they're made to be taken out of the case and put together because they come with all kinds of different hands and accessories and hairstyles and shit. So. And like part of that market is selling the stands mm-hmm, to set mm-hmm. them up and display them out of package. Yep, so um, I don't know that I will dive in. Full. I, I got to get the tank trooper. The tank trooper is the only tank trooper I've seen so far that's coming in this line. I'm sure it will be coming in the other versions. Um, this is just the first one. I got to get the tank trooper. 
The Scarif Trooper looks badass. The Death Trooper looks bad. I mean, they just... Oh, man. They just look so good, dude. And you know Bandai's who do those uh, samurai figures that I'm such a big fan of, too. Yes. So. Yes, they are. And those are kick-ass. And not just that. They do model kits for different characters, um, ships and shit, and all of it. I mean, they're just a really good Star Wars licensee. I wish... The, the problem is, is I have a feeling it's because they don't want it com- competing with the Black Series line, but... You have to import these SH figure arts figures, and that's why they run a little more. You have yeah. to import them. They're not like just sold naturally over here in the United States. <clears throat> yeah. But that's uh, about it. Uh, I, I would have to say those figure arts are, are by far the best looking thing that's going to be on offer. Um, you, you know, just before we wrap up this merchandise thing, mm-hmm. I'm. These helmets, they look kick-ass because they are life-size helmets. I mean, they look awesome. Now, I'll say this. Just... That, that Stormtrooper helmet, the the regular Stormtrooper helmet? Yeah. Old Whitey, he's, that's the Black Series version of the Stormtrooper helmet. It it does look pretty good, I think. Does it look 501st quality? No, but for 80 bucks, it looks pretty good. That's the same. I mean, I'm just angry and jealous. Like, where was this shit when I was I a kid? No, man. Plastic has not come that far. And vacuum molding has not progressed that far that they could not have put this shit out, like <clears throat> in the in the nineties. Like, where the fuck was my stormtrooper helmet? Do you know, like, you know how much trouble I could have gotten in just not ever taking off my stormtrooper helmet? Right. Well, and you know, um, you know, uh, the the Kylo one they did for the Force Awakens was pretty good too. Uh, yeah, I'll have to yeah. say. Um. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the deal... I don't know that I could have talked my parents into dropping 80 bucks on a helmet for me, but I would have tried. Oh, you know you could have. I would have tried. I'd be um, like, oh, no, Mom, it's okay. I don't want the Technodrome. I really want that Stormtrooper helmet. <coughs> oh, I wanted the Technodrome so bad. Um, it was cool. I had a Technodrome and a blimp. I had the van, as far as the Turtles figures cool. go. And it was cool. Um, the only other little bit of news that we're going to cover this week is uh, a little backstory for Rogue One. Um, there is a novel coming out called Catalyst from um, James Lucino, and it is a prequel to Rogue One. Now, when we originally heard about this, a lot of people thought that it was going to maybe lead straight into Rogue One. And from the synopsis, the official synopsis of the book, it seems like it's going to be set a little further back than we originally expected. And this is what the synopsis is. War is tearing the galaxy apart. For years, the Republic and Separatists have battled across the stars, each building more and more deadly technology in an attempt to win the war. As a member of Chancellor Palpatine's top-secret Death Star project, Orson Krennic is determined to develop a superweapon before their enemies can. And an old friend of Krennic's, the brilliant scientist Galen Erso, could be the key. Galen's energy-focused research has captured the attention of both Krennic and his foes, making the scientist a crucial pawn in the galactic conflict. But after Krennic rescues Galen, his wife Lyra, and their young daughter Jen from Separatist kidnappers, the Urso family is deeply in Krennic's debt. Krennic then offers Galen an extraordinary opportunity to continue his scientific studies with every resource put utterly at his disposal while galen and lyra believe this that his energy research will be used purely in altruistic ways krennic has other plans that will finally make the death star a reality 
Trapped in their benefactor's tightening grip, the Ursos must untangle Krennic's web of deception to save themselves and the galaxy itself. So, it sounds like uh, this is uh, like a Clone Wars era book, and it's going to deal with sort of the formation of the Death Star project. So, that's interesting. I have two. I have two comments. One is a question. Okay. One question is, you know, I. I've seen the Death Star plans on Mustafar, right? You saw them on Geonosis. Or Geonosis, yes. right. Okay. And Count Dooku was looking at them, right? Right. So the Death Star has been in planning for a long time. Is this... And my question is, is does this just mean... You know, they're looking for a way to power it or power the the super the laser, main, the super laser, the main weapon. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. I think that that's the part that he's the missing piece in getting that shit going, you know. And obviously it takes a while because we're talking about a movie that takes place like 18, 19 years after Revenge of the Sith. So, you know, um, apparently it's a tough nut to crack or once he figures out what he's doing, he's a little less willing. Um, and uh, it sounds like, you know. Krennic rescues the family and takes them under his care. And then it sounds like, I guess at some point, Jen escapes from that because we know she's been on her own since the age of 15. If the, uh, the dialogue from the trailer is anything to go by. Right. Um, maybe that's going to have something to do with the movie. Like maybe Galen Erso is still working away for Krennic. Well, I definitely think he is. Cause in the international rogue one trailer, um, Mon Mothma mentions that they've gotten a transmission about the Emperor or the Empire's secret weapon they're building, and she tells Jin the transmission came from your father. So oh, wow. it sounds like, you know, he somehow gets a message out to the rebellion to be like, Hey guys. <clears throat> so that's a very uh interesting I think it's an interesting way to go about it. The guy that that, uh, helped build the Death Star was an unwilling participant. He thought he was going to be doing something good. And then, of course, like the Empire does, they went and turned everything to shit. Right. Uh, The second comment I had was that that's the second time, just in the Star Wars universe, I've seen the name Galen. Because the name of the character in The Force Unleashed, I believe, was Galen Merrick. Yep, yep. Um so they, they used that name again, which is cool. It's I a mean, cool-sounding Star, Star Wars, Wars name. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to check out that book. Still slogging away at that damn second Aftermath book, man. It's not not grabbing me like I thought it might. Not grabbing you by the quijones? No, there's some cool Wookiee stuff and some other stuff, but really, I just got to be honest, Like the, the original characters, the new characters, just don't do it for me. Um. There's a couple that are okay, but um, that's neither here nor there. So do you want to get into some emails and call this thing a night? Well, first up, we we don't have so much of an email as we do a voice message from our buddy Steve. So let me play that for you right now. Hawes, Will, my motherfuckers, how are you? Uh, Quick question. I want your thoughts on this. Uh, There's a rumor circulating... Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's not a rumor. I forget where you even read it. Confirmed or something that there would be no Ian McDermott in Rogue One. So no Emperor. Now I saw a lot of people on online saying like, "Thank God, you know, he, he shouldn't be part of the movie." 
You know what? I think that's bullshit. This is his fucking empire. His fucking giant Death Star. He's building it. I'm not looking for a spotlight, but what about like a hollow message to Krennic? You know, Krennic, you finish that fucking thing or else. I don't know. I don't know why people are getting so bent out of shape. What are your thoughts? Do you love that dude? I love myself some pals. I think Goose does too. He does a pretty good goose. He does a pretty, <laughs> good, pretty goose. good Um Yeah, so uh, I think it was at some sort of convention or something this week. Ian McDermott confirmed that he is not in Rogue One. Um, so, you know, that was a question. That's been a question. We knew we were going to see Vader. Would we see the Emperor? And it doesn't look like we're going to. Um, and personally, I would have been cool with seeing the, uh, seeing the Emperor. And even if it was in a hollow message, like Steve said. Um, it would have just been a nice little way to bring him back. Now, granted, does Ian McDermott want to come back, get all that shit put on his face, and get in the costume for, like, you know, a half a day of shooting a hologram message? Maybe not. Um, also, you know, I think the way it goes in this time, in the Star Wars sort of timeline, the Emperor is, like, withdrawn. He's not in the public eye as much anymore. He's just, like sitting back and having all his little lackeys do his dirty work and he's got his his you know attack dog and Darth Vader so i guess it could also make sense that he's not in there what do you think will would you have liked to see the uh the emperor or are you okay with no emperor I, honestly i'm fairly neutral about it it would have been cool to see him but i'm not upset that he's not in it and the way i think about that and justify it is that you know if i were the emperor if i have to send darth vader to handle shit, you know, to help you handle shit, Krennic. I why the why the fuck do I need myself to come right, show right. up or do anything? Like, if I had to send Darth Vader, I better not have to do anything. I mean, is, is right. the way I'm. And then you know, maybe the second Death Star after losing one and finding out that the son of Skywalker is out and about causing shit. Like, maybe that's when the Emperor was like, okay. I need to go oversee this because clearly I need to put my hands on some stuff. Yeah, I need to get some boots on the ground and handle this myself. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, I I would say it's a slight bummer because you know what? Like, uh, I think Ian McDermott fucking knocks it out of the park in the prequels. Man, he's got like yeah. this creepy vibe going about him. Man, and um, oh no. That part's not that great. Okay, yeah. You will die. Um, <laughs> but I do like just about everything else. Like, um, So, you know, maybe, hopefully, if they want to do a movie or something that's got the Emperor on it, hopefully they move on that quick because, you know, once again, not the youngest dudes, Ian McDermott. And, uh, you know, you got to get him while you, you got the opportunity. So, it It would be cool to see, you know, the young Senator Palpatine, you know, right. doing some, you know, some wicked stuff. The Darth Sidious doing some wicked stuff. Yeah. And in that case, you'd, you'd have to recast, you know, but yeah, it, honestly, a, uh, uh, a prequel to the prequels that sort of shows like Palpatine's rise to power and becoming a Sith and stuff. I could be way interested in that. And, How he um, killed Darth Plagueis. <laughs> Right, and you know the I know um I don't talk favorably about a lot of the EU books sometimes, but the 
the Darth Plagueis books and stuff, they were pretty fucking good, I'll have to say. And those dealt with Darth Plagueis and a young Palpatine. Um, and those aren't canon anymore, so, you know, they could take that opportunity to redo that story, kind of like they're doing with the Thrawn stuff, and, um, you know, bring it into canon. Let us see what's up. Um, I mean, I think the fact that those Darth Plagueis books were so good is what led to a lot of that stupid Snoke as Plagueis stuff from uh, around this time last year. So, um, Next up, we've got our buddy Joe Willen Halls. Thanks for the great entertainment every week. I'm glad your audience seems to keep growing. They do. It seems like we're picking up some new ones. It's um, a good thing. I am writing with two questions. First, if you and your listeners could get one Star Wars tattoo related to Star Wars, what would it be? I'm looking for ideas. I meant to bring this up last week. Joe tweeted at us and said, hey, ask your listeners what I should get for a Star Wars tattoo, and I totally forgot to do that, so I'm glad he emailed in. Secondly, what Star Wars characters do you think were most likely to get tattoos? Darth Maul. Obviously, everyone would want a Kia D. Mundi tattoo as an homage to the great Jedi. Even even Kia D. probably has a tattoo of himself. Here are my real guesses. Obi-Wan Kenobi had a tattoo of a certain point of view around one of his biceps. Emperor Palpatine got unlimited power tattooed on his dick. Boba Fett had baloney Big Mac tatted somewhere. It doesn't matter where because when you're Boba Fett, you do whatever you damn well please. Mace Windu absolutely got bad motherfucker tattooed on his chest. Thoughts? You guys are the best, Joe. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I am in the process of saving up. Uh, I'm planning on getting a new Star Wars tattoo when I go to Celebration this year. I've already got it planned out, what I want to get. I just got to... You know, look at the artist list, book someone, get it set up. Um, but I'm going with um, uh, Finn. Finn's bloody Stormtrooper helmet. Um, oh, that's cool. From The Force Awakens. It has turned out to be one of my favorite uh, pieces of like visual like imagery or something from the movie. Like, I collect anything I can find that's fucking... I call it bloody helmet Finn. I know it's technically FN2187 or whatever, but... Yeah, my own little personal uh, nickname for it is Bloody Helmet Fan. So uh, I really dig that. I'm gonna get that on the inside of my arm and try to get it like super nice and colorful and detailed. So we'll see about that. Um, what do you think about uh, Star Wars characters that might have tattoos? Will Star Wars characters that might have tattoos? Yeah, that's not Darth Maul. Obviously, I, I was just saying right. that as a joke. Um. You know, just the rebellious nature of Jen Erso. I bet she's got a tattoo. Um, oh yeah, she's probably got a tattoo. That's like a, like a imperial cog with a, a red circle around it and like a slash. Yeah, Ala Sakuda might have like spiritual tattoos as well as uh, Plo Koon. He's probably got like a. Oh spiritual Plo Koon seems like now don't get me wrong I love Plo Koon Plo Koon seems like the kind of dude that would have like a dream catcher tattoo right and you'd be like oh this guy has been a burning man (laughs) um hmm, who else would have a tattoo Luke see Luke at least farm boy Luke um I don't see having like a tattoo he seems a little white white bread for that um old ass Luke I could see him having like a badass old school trucker tattoo 
like an or old like biker a holocron tattoo somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, Han Solo would have like a tattoo on his ass cheek that he got, um, you know, uh, on when he was drunk one night with Lando, he lost a bet. And Lando had to pick out the tattoo, so it's like a heart with an arrow in it, and it says Chewy. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. Or it's uh, on his arm, like on his shoulder, the heart <laughs> with the banner across it, and it just says Chewy. Or it's he's got nice. one on the other side that says 12 parsecs. Why don't some of our listeners write in? Tell us who you... It, it, give Joe some tattoo ideas. Granted, I'm going to say King Tom tweeted out the perfect Joe tattoo. And it was Kia D. Mundi riding in a Honda with the sunroof open so his big dickhead could go through the sunroof. Oh, that's good. And, and like, we were talking about it on Twitter, and King Tom whipped that shit up super fast. Like, I was so impressed. Um, but, yeah, that if, if Joe doesn't get that tattoo, I might have to get that tattoo. <laughs> with sunshades on. like. Uh... Oh, yeah, some, like, aviators. Yep. And then an old school Blue Harvest banner under it. Like, that could be my Blue Harvest uh, tattoo. Um, you know, when he tweeted that, I had a response just on the spot that I thought was neat. You know, it, it gave me an idea. But, like, if you could have, like, a sleeve or just, like, the top of the arm that was, like, trooper evolution. You yeah, know, like, yeah. the, like stair-stepping down the troopers from, like, oldest to newest or newest to oldest. Either way, you know, I thought that would be cool. That could be very cool. That could be very, very cool. And if I were going to get a tattoo personally, I'd probably get uh, Return of the Jedi Yoda sitting on a rock and, like, levitating a bunch of other rocks. You know, just seeing him sitting there with his eyes closed and, like, a bunch of stuff floating around him. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be, that'd be cool. Next up, we got our buddy Richie from jo- uh, Boston. Halls and Will, and Goose too. You guys rock. I got to say, listening to Will and Goose's adventures in the last podcast... Gave me a shit-eating grin all day. In case you can tell, couldn't tell, people from my corner of Massachusetts are a bit high-strung. Luckily for me, I ha- also have a big family of good country people in southern Indiana. I like to spend a couple of weeks with them every so often when I need to unwind. Like my great aunt's biscuits and gravy and a two-liter of big red kind of unwind. Man, biscuits and gravy. Damn, I've been on this damn diet for like the last month and a half because my doctor got on to me about my blood test and some biscuits and gravy sounds awesome. Right? I was pretty o- angry over a couple of things in last week's email and you guys reminded me of what life's all about. I called my cousins out there after listening to your show and had a great chat. Now on to some fun stuff, huh? Star Wars. One of the things I love about Star Wars is the ex- extensive world building done by George Lucas. I'm a big fan of the prequels for that reason. Everybody loved the original trilogy because of its used universe feeling. But why is it such a used universe? Perhaps because it was so shitty? To me, the prequel trilogy shows us just how grand the Republic era was. It enhances the original trilogy, in my opinion, because it shows just how far the living conditions in the galaxy had fallen. We also see little bits of technology and culture from all the galaxy's worlds. I love that little factoid about Captain Phasma's armor meeting, armor being made of the same metal, metal as a Naboo starfighter. It might be a Naboo starfighter. I know for a fact it's definitely Padme's ships. Like the silver chrome ships that Padme tool, uh, I believe on the around. Naboo starfighters, it's only on like maybe the first fourth of it. Because most of them are yellow. Yeah, but uh, it could n- be that same metal painted yellow. 
Right. I mean, you're right. Uh, Now that I think about it, you're right. So this leads to my question. Is there anything you guys want to see carried over to the sequel trilogy from the existing Star Wars universe? As much as I dislike Phasma, I think it would be cool to see her with a Mando-style jetpack. I agree. I mean, she has little more threat. She was... She has to be a little more... I'm getting all lost in the email. She has to be a little more threatening than she was in The Force Awakens. What about a core of troopers with Mando-style jetpacks? Once again, I am down. I am not too familiar with Mandalore in the post-Jedi era, but I'd be interested in seeing a little co- crossover with the First Order somehow. And we need some more OT and prequel trilogy aliens. What are your thoughts, Richie from Boston? Uh, you want to take that one first, Will? Sure. Um... First of all, I totally agree on the world building. And, you know, I know it's probably uh, logistics. Like, I know when the original tr- when the original trilogy was made, you know, it's probably very hard to convey other worlds and the different environments on other worlds. Like, I know filming in Tunisia and then, you know, filming in the snow and all this, other, you know, that was a big deal back then. And it, you know, costs a lot of money to do all that production in those different environments. And, you know, I know a lot of people talk shit about in the prequel trilogy, all the green screen. But honestly, that gave George Lucas the ability to create these worlds and planets and environments, you know, however, you know, his creative mind really wanted to. And so that really enabled him to do that. And I really respect that. And a lot of, like you said, you know, a lot of being able to see what the galaxy was like before the time of oppression, before the dark times, right? before right. the Empire. Uh, that's totally true. I totally agree with all that. Um, I lost the second point. What was the second one? Well, I, I'm going to agree with Richie. One thing that I, I was a little disappointed about in The Force Awakens is we got all these new aliens, and some of them were pretty cool, and then other of them were just that's- sort of uh, generic, you know? Um, I like the um, whatever alien race um, Elo Atsti is or Atsti, the, the, the catfish face. Yeah, catfish face. Oh, catfish face. I like them, um, and I like some of the stuff that's in the um, in Maz's castle. I think there's some cool alien designs in there. But oh, yeah. I, they should have thrown me a fucking Rodian or a Twi'lek or a, you know even a Doug. I want to see because. You know, especially at a place like Maz's Castle where there would be this huge intersection of all kinds of different species. I would have liked to see um, a couple of familiar faces, for lack of a better term. So hopefully we right. do get that. I mean, granted, we did get um, Akbar and Nia Nub, but, you know, th- those are more characters, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I would like to see some more. A Duros know. and, like, yeah. You know, the, the the species that we're familiar with role-playing, you know, mm-hmm. that we created mm-hmm. a million times in our imaginations. Um, the other thing about Phasma, uh, I, I like Captain Phasma. I have no problem with any of that. I like her character design. Um, you, and I know it's kind of in the Boba Fett vein, but if you want her to be a badass, you got to show me her being a badass. Her kicking ass. Yeah, I, and I think I'm, we're going to get that. I think you know she's going to be an emerging character. I don't think they're going to just have her get clowned on for the rest of the movie. So I think we're in, we're due for some badass Phasma in in episode eight I, or nine. I totally agree. Like I, I know they will, but uh, and the reason you know the reason I'm feeling stupid even saying it is because you know you didn't really see Boba Fett be really that badass at all. And you know in my mind, 
that I've always thought that Boba Fett was a badass, but you know, as right. you've brought up to me before, when you see his, you know, what he does in the movies, he doesn't really do shit, you yeah. know, that's yeah. badass. That is true. I just consider, you know, the transitive property of Jango Fett being able to stand one on one against Obi Wan Kenobi. Boba Fett's got to be some kind of badass. Yeah. And also, uh, I um, once again, I'm going to agree with him. I really would like to see some more Mandalorians. Like, I realize that Boba Fett probably can't be around. Um, if he is, he's super old around the time of The Force Awakens. So I definitely don't necessarily want to see the four, uh, you know, Boba Fett in the sequel trilogy, but some Mandos, some Mandalorians. But think about the concept just... of old Boba Fett training like a squadron of young replacement bounty hunter death squad oh, Mandalorians. I would be down with that. I would totally like, be down with that. He's he's the pirate king or the mercenary lord. You know, they all have to bring their bounty to him or pay homage or whatever. But like he trained them all to be that right. badass and they all pimp around in their unique Mandalorian oh, all armor. day. All day every day I'd love it. So next up we have our buddy Michael. Now, do you remember last week when we were talking about the chunk of the map? We couldn't figure out uh, whether right. who had the big chunk, the little chunk. Our buddy Michael wrote in, and uh, he dropped some science on us. And uh, Ooh, he, con nice. he conveyed some stuff I was trying to get across way better than I could have ever gotten it across. Um, and he also started off the email being very complimentary. I'd like to thank him for that. But he also brought up the podcast, which shall not be named. And since we're <laughs> trying to move on and just do our own thing, I'll say thank you for your words. I will make sure Will reads them as well. Um, but let's get to the, the meat of your email, buddy. Now on to Star Wars. On last week's episodes, episode, you fellows were discussing the size of the missing portion of the map and how Luke should be a, should be a matter of connecting the dots. It's important to keep in mind how fucking immeasurably huge a missing portion like that would be. Now, keep in mind that that portion of the map doesn't take into account the third dimension of space. It compresses everything into a simple flat plane. In reality, space goes up and down as much as it goes left and right. There would be millions of stars and countless planets without a map that chances of randomly finding that one planet is so slim that it would be damn near impossible. Not to mention the decades of time it would take. Space travel in Star Wars universe requires up-to-date astro-navigation data. Something that has always been continuously... Wait, 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 wait. I missed... Uh, astro I got thrown off by astro-navigation data. Um, without, a without accurate astro-navigation data, ships just can't make precise and safe hyperspace jumps. Inaccurate hyperspace jumps can easily result in passing through a sun or anything else as equally as devastating, or just result in ending up in the middle of nowhere with no bearings. Now, The Force Awakens sort of, sort of fails to explain this, which is understandable, but to most people, they say this little bit of map and assume it would be a breeze to just zip up and about with a ship until you stumble across, stumble across Luke's hiding spot. Anyway, that's enough super nerdy, nerdy rambling from me. Just thought I'd throw it out there, food for thought. And, I mean, he's right. He brings yeah. up a very salient point. And, you know... The Z-axis, you know, the X-axis, right. the Y-axis, and the Z-axis. The third dimension is what he's talking about. And that, he's totally right. And, um, you know, the way we think of ships going at each other face-to-face -face in space, like, uh, you know, most of the time, realistically, that's probably not the case. Like, if one starship meets another, 
one may be looking directly at the top of the starship. You know, like they may be facing all wonky directions, not not on the same equal plane, you know? Right. Depending on where you're coming from. And also, uh, our buddy Calvin brought up something to me on Twitter. The line, um, it was it was the hyperspace course that they had to take. That was the data. You know what I'm saying? Like the line that shows them going and ending up at Octu or whatever. That's what that was. That was the hyperspace cord, uh, jump coordinates. And, um, you know, you know, Han talks about, you know, without precise uh, coordinates from the nav computer, we could go through a star or fly too close to a Bounce supernova. Bounce off a supernova or fly right through a pulsar. Or, or whatever it is he says. You know what I'm saying? So, trip real quick. So, you know, when you think about it, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's just one of those things that maybe they could have explained just a little bit better for the dummies like me. Um, next up, we got King Tom, the Kia D man himself, the Photoshop King, Photoshop King Tom. Great discussion with Goose last week on Vader's role in Rogue One. I'm curious to see how much Vader they use in the movie. Like Hall says, you can't have him be the villain that loses. He's too much of a badass and having him lose would seriously impact episode four. Is that why they have the character of Krennic? To have a bad guy that the heroes can beat while leaving Vader's reputation intact? Also about Vader, last week you guys were pretty unanimous on wanting Vader to be a badass in Rogue One. Something that I agree with. On the other hand, you can't have him be as powerful, more powerful than he was in the original trilogy. The special effects of the 1970s and 80s and David Prowse's lying about his fencing skills kept Vader at a certain level in the original trilogy. However, recently, recent new canon material has shown the true badass Vader. In both Lords of the Sith and Vader Down, Vader is depicted as taking out entire squads of enemy troops and downing rebel fighters from the sky. It would be awesome to have this side of Vader exposed for mass audiences in a Star Wars film. But at the same time, does it make the series too unrealistic or water the character down as much as a defeat in Rogue One would? Personally, I like that side of Vader, even if it is a bit unrealistic, that he could take down an entire rebel squadron and starfighters on his own, yet have trouble killing Obi-Wan. Thanks for reading your pal, King Tom. And King Tom does bring up a, a good point. We, we sort of went over it last week in um, our discussion, but um, I think, you know, you could find a way to do it somewhere in the middle where he's not force unleashed badass or you know vader down or lords of the sith badass but maybe a little more badass than he is in a new hope you know yeah and i think he really nailed and like i think when they sat down to talk the story of rogue one they were like well we could have vader in it but we can't really have him lose because that we need to have a, a big bad imperial that can take the loss well, director krennic you know so they absolutely you know, you know, work their way down from there. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that is, you know, for lack of a better term, that is um, Director Krennic's role in this movie. And, and I know everybody has this idea of Vader's fight with old Obi-Wan and how kind of, I guess, muted it, it was. I, you know, I don't see it that way. And I just don't, I just don't feel that way about it because maybe I watch too much anime, but, you know, the force was really strong with both of them. And if the force is strong with you, like you can, I feel like you'd be able to predict where those strikes are coming or, you know, just right. anticipate, like it didn't really seem like Obi-Wan was even really, you know, breaking a sweat fencing with Vader 
you know, I felt like Obi-Wan was holding his own and he allowed himself to be struck. Right. You know, at that time. Well, but, and also think, you know, if you want to put the prequels and Clone Wars in context with that, maybe Vader was conflicted. I mean, this is his old master, his, you know, his best friend, his father figure. So maybe he wasn't going all out against him, you know? And when was the time, when was the last time that lightsaber had to be used, honestly? Right, right. Well, you know, if you go by the comics and stuff and, and the books, he's been using it. But in lightsaber combat, it's probably been a little while. Like in combat with someone else using a lightsaber. Right. Yep. And next up, it is our buddy Luke. Luke has a this to say. Hey, Halls and Will. There was an awesome video game discussion on this week's episode of Rogue One. There was a pretty good uh, video game discussion. This made me wonder, what would Lucasfilm have to do to make my perfect Star Wars video game? My perfect Star Wars game would be a mix of two things, one part Mass Effect and one part Grand Theft Auto V. I'll break it down so you can see what I mean. In regards to Mass Effect, I would like the ability to travel to different planets and systems, obviously, interact with different aliens, alien races and cultures, um, the good and evil meter, the awesome person-to-person interaction and conversation. Grand Theft Auto V. Being able to create mass havoc or keep the peace. It would be awesome to be a wanted man in several different systems or be known as a hero to many different worlds. The ability to play in-game minigames, say pod racing. The ability to switch from first person to third person. I know that's not original to the GTA, but I like the way they did it. Now let me throw all this together for my game idea. You can choose from three different character types. A Jedi, a soldier, and a smuggler. I know, I know. Knights of the Old Republic. Each of the three would have very different storylines. The Jedi, you start off as a Padawan on a Coruscant at the Jedi Temple. This wouldn't last long, just long enough to get your base character ready for upgrading and to help shape your character's destiny. Like all Star Wars movie, the mentor has to die so the young Padawan can progress. You would then move on to several missions and side missions that will make you either a Jedi, a Sith, or a true neutral. It would be interesting to start off in the prequel era and find way to allude to Order 66 and to avoid uh, Order 66 and continue your character into the original trilogy. The Soldier. You would start off as a uh, cadet in the Galactic Empire. Much like the Padawan path, you'd have a short training stint before you graduate. Much like the book Lost Stars, an incident would happen that would give your character a crash of conscience. From there, you can choose to carry out the Order's given or defy your training and rebel against the empire also like in lost stars you will be able to relive the classic battles from the original trilogy to the battle of jakku and beyond the smuggler this character would be much like we imagine han solo's life was before he took ben and luke to alderaan running spice for gangsters taking supply run jobs for the empire or rebels There will be times when you are forced to make decisions based on greed or conscience. Much like Han Solo, this could bring you into the fold of different battles. This format would really rely on that Mass Effect communicating with different people in different worlds. You could gather intel on potential jobs or maybe even do a little spying for the Empire or Rebellion. Obviously, this idea is really rough. But when it comes down to it, I would just want a story-driven single-player campaign. Also note, there is no way in hell that Lucasfilm or EA would allow all of this to be in one game when they could make it three different games for three times the profit. What do you guys think? Was it What is your perfect Star Wars game? You want to start that off there, uh, William? Oh, sure. Um, 
what would it take was the first part of that uh, unlimited amounts of data. I mean, what you're asking for is just the demand that it would it would require just as far as data goes is astronomical. Um, I would think to make it actually functional, it would probably be more parts Grand Theft Auto than Mass Effect. Um, <coughs> because Grand Theft Auto is really kind of a sandbox game right. that has the storyline available for you should you want to play the storyline. That's kind of what makes GTA so wonderful is that you can play the story if you want to, or you can just dick around. Um, Mass Effect, you know, I don't know has that much. I mean, you can dick around and go from planet to planet and mine resources, but not in, you know, <coughs> not, not in, in the a, aspect of right. getting, getting, you know, the heat, the cops on you or anything like right. that, you know, not executing, uh, missions of you know less than moral quality, and you can make a bunch of you know conversational decisions that would dictate your uh, alignment and stuff. But then you're looking at Knights of the Old Republic again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like it's it's either more one or the other. To have equal parts Mass Effect and Grand Theft Auto Five, I just don't think is possible. I think it, it would is. have to be more one or the other. Yeah. You know, it would have to lean more in one direction or the other. But I see what you're saying. Um, the sheer data of having, you know, being able to travel to different planets and each different planet be its own enormous sandbox. Um, would be crazy. It would be just the data for that would be crazy. But it would be, I mean, I see how awesome it would be, you know, it to be able to fly around the whole planet you know uh, uh you, that's that's the cool part of grand theft auto right you can drive the city if you want to or but then you can hop in a boat and go in the ocean or mm-hmm. you can take the, the back roads off in the mountains or fly a plane like just that amount of freedom is what makes that game so cool and and the heat you know and you know getting the cops on your tail you know, I, I see what he's saying like getting the death sentence in 12 systems would be awesome that'd be an achievement you know Right. You know, um, I would like to see my perfect Star Wars game would be the natural evolution of the Knights of the Old Republic formula. It wouldn't even have to be set in that era. They could set it in any era. Really, I'm going to be honest, I would want to play a Jedi, but, you know, maybe have different origin points, sort of like they did in the Dragon Age games, where you can start off as a soldier or, you know, a smuggler or something and then become a Jedi. Um and I think if you look at what Bioware has done since Knights of the Old Republic, they've really taken that formula with both Dragon Age and Mass Effect and just progressed it further. Um, I would love the decision-making and conversation sent, um, set up from Mass Effect in a Star Wars game, which they kind of did in the MMO, in the Old Republic MMO, but... I want a rich, meaty Witcher 3 Mass Effect um, story-rich Dragon Age-style Star Wars game. You know? A game I can sink dozens of hours into the single player. If if they want to have a multiplayer component, then they could even go the Mass Effect or Dragon Age route and make it sort of a horde mode thing. That could be a lot of fun with four people just playing Jedi, destroying waves and waves of enemies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know what you mean. Like, as far as planets that you can visit, you would have to... you If you want to do the sandbox part, there would have to be a couple of planets that were your hub worlds um, yeah. where you could do the sandbox shit. 
and then the more outlier frontier planets would have to be you know for specific story segments where you go for just a certain mission on these planets and you could do different designs and architecture and aliens and stuff you just wouldn't be necessarily be able to explore the entirety of the planet and then there could be even dead planets and moons and stuff where you could go do mining and resources for crafting and um the one thing i would want that mass effect hasn't delivered yet and mass effect by the way luke uh, in case you didn't know, is my absolute favorite video game franchise of all time. So this speaks to me. It's like Goose's Fallout. Yep, it's like Goose's Fallout. Um, or God of War, my God of War. Borderlands. Borderlands, man. That dude, he likes all those. Um, so yeah, the one thing Mass Effect hasn't given me is the ability to fly the ship. Like, if you're going to do interstellar travel, I would like... You can do one of two ways. You can manually fly the ship and get in space battles and stuff or you can do quick travel which would basically equate to you know hyperspace travel and stuff like that so you know i know that's a lot to pack into a game and if if they even have something in that vein in development it's going to be a little while before we see it because games like that do not get developed quickly especially if you want them to have a good quality so you know that's really i mean um when i was talking to the dudes uh from making star wars this week on rogue one I basically said if you took The Witcher 3 and put a a Star Wars skin on it, I would be stoked. And uh, that's still the case. I would just like a little more of sort of the morality meter and uh, decision-making from Mass Effect thrown in there. Um, so that that is what I would like to see from a Star Wars game. Um, but you know what? I'm going to check out anything they do because I love gaming and I love Star Wars, so... <laughs> they got my 60 bucks for the uh, foreseeable future once a year or whatever the hell they're going to do. Now that I'm thinking about it, I really would like to play a Star Wars sandbox game. And to me, it doesn't even have to have Jedi or Sith. Right, Just right. to be in that universe as a smuggler or scoundrel or <coughs> warrior, you know, whatever. And just to to be able to steal a land speeder or steal mm-hmm. a starfighter or steal a freighter you know like that would be cool and have my own secret base and park all my different ships at my secret you know yeah if that, it got, that would be awesome if it got too far into the grand theft auto territory i don't think i would enjoy it like it needs to differentiate i i see what you mean and i agree with what you, what you're saying it's just <clears throat> at a certain point you don't want just grand theft auto star war you know what i'm saying grand theft oh, yeah. auto coruscant knights i mean i Although dude, i'd probably play me, that. i'd sign up for that in a heartbeat <clears throat> all right well we got one last email this evening and it's from our buddy tomas tomas and he said uh, he's got a couple of questions question one dave filoni says that we will learn soka's fate soon do you think if she has died she will return as a force ghost for me i say no because when she w- when would she have had time to learn how to turn into a force ghost question two this is sort of a question, but more of a theory. Do you think the reason George put the Hayden Christensen Anakin in Return of the Jedi was because he th- that is what Anakin looked like when he was truly a good person? Black Series update. You know, he likes to give us an update on what he scored Black Series-wise. Right. This week, I raked in three new figures. Chewbacca, a First Order Stormtrooper, and the creme de la creme of my TFA line, Ahsoka Tano. My only problem with Ahsoka is she won't stand up 
So I have her sitting down, which looks kind of weird, especially next to Kanan. Thanks, guys. By the way, the podcast has been freaking amazing lately. Goose was great last week. Um, Tomas, buddy, you opened those Black Series? I am so dis... No, I'm just kidding, man. I, I don't... If you want to display them loose or you want to keep them in package, like, uh, I'm cool either way, buddy. What I would say is look into some stands for them if you're going to display them loose. Um, that'll help you with the wonky feet and not wanting to stand up correctly. Um... As far as Ahsoka's fate, I think if she died, we will definitely not see her as a Force ghost. Um, at, at least not in the Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, you know, way. Um, and I think that's just because, like he said, she wouldn't have had any time to learn that. She doesn't even consider herself a Jedi anymore by the season finale of Rebels. So I don't think she would have that knowledge at hand. Yeah, again, I just feel like her death was a missed opportunity at the end of the last season because well, I don't even know that she's dead. Um, that's the thing. Like, you know, you mean I you don't agree. know that she's alive. Yeah, we don't know that she's alive. We don't know that she's dead. We don't know either way. They I haven't mean, there was said that scene way. of her like coming out of the temple, wasn't there? I, right. I, you know, that's one of those things that different people see different ways, man. Like some people see her coming out of the temple. Some people see her as kneeling down and going back into the temple. Some people see it as her falling over, dying. You know, it's it's up to interpretation, to be honest. I, um, I got you. I just, you know, Ahsoka so shows such promise, you know, as a Jedi or a Force-sensitive person. And... Yoda clearly has the ability to speak to other Force-sensitive people across the galaxy. And, you know, because he spoke to Ezra when they were in the temple that one time, right? Like, like Yoda's voice was there with Ezra as he went through that Jedi temple, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, when Ahsoka and Ezra went back to that temple, Yoda didn't speak to her, I don't believe. But she did, when she was leaving, turn around and see him like uh, you know a vision of him so you know i think the fact that she renounced the jedi order and stuff maybe that cut her tie to yoda you know what i'm maybe, saying and maybe wouldn't communicate with her because he doesn't consider her a jedi or she doesn't consider herself a jedi there's i mean there's this sticky stuff about how she's not a jedi mm -hmm. like you know she doesn't she claims she's not a jedi so she's not a jedi i mean she's clearly benevolent she's clearly force sensitive I right. mean, she's clearly strong in the light side. You know, I don't understand why she would be neglected by Yoda. You know, if he can communicate with four other four sensitive people, like right. You know, just why wouldn't he talk to her or communicate with her or try to guide her or try to find her? You know, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is a good question. Now, the one thing you know in the Mortis arc from Clone Wars, uh, you know, Ahsoka dies. And the sister sacrifices herself to bring Ahsoka back to life. And Dave Filoni always said that there would be consequences from that. And I'm wondering if that's what we're going to see in Rebels. If we're going to see the consequences of her being brought back to life by the like spiritual embodiment of the light side. Or whatever the hell was going on in that Mortis episode. You know, there's some, yeah. that's, that's, there's some lost style shit going on in there. Um. Yeah. But, you know, it's really, really depends on which way they want to go. Um, 
you know, Dave Filoni has said that, you know, he he didn't come out right outright and say it at Celebration, but did everything but come out and say it that we would be seeing more of Ahsoka and that, you know, we'll figure out what happened to her. So do it'll you, be interesting to see. Dave Filoni is just so attached to her. He's having trouble letting her go. Or do you think he always intended to keep her around this long? Well, if I'm not mistaken, back in the day when um, when Clone Wars was sort of getting off the ground and Filoni and Lucas were having preliminary talks, it was Lucas' opinion, Lucas's opinion that Ahsoka did not survive, that she died. And as time went on, that changed, and as they talked, that changed. And we know from things we've heard that haven't been produced from the Clone Wars that she was going to make it through Order 66 in the you know the original plan for the clone wars and the stuff they didn't get to do but at this point i think you might be hitting the nail on the head it's one of two things it's it's that he's got well i'll say three things um it's that he's too attached to the character and doesn't want to kill her off because you know that is ahsoka is a singularly dave filoni guided character you know in clone wars he was working with a lot of uh, previously established characters and even though he definitely fleshed out a lot of the Jedi that you know we only saw glimpses of in the prequels uh Plo Kloon is a excellent example of that um <clears throat> you know he he fleshed a lot of those guys out um but Ahsoka was really like you know what he brought to the series not the only thing you know there's Hondo and and all kinds of other great characters but Ahsoka's the one that really sticks out and it could be that he's too attached. It could be that Disney or Lucasfilm don't want him to kill her off. Because she's popular, perhaps, with maybe a younger female audience. Yeah, yeah, or a female audience in general. And Star Wars has not always been the greatest about representing the female audience in their characters or their merchandise. And the the thing is, though, like, you know, Han Solo died in The Force Awakens. Just because his character died, that doesn't mean we're not going to be getting Han Solo merchandise ever again, you know? I mean, they basically reincarnated him. You know, they, they've got a, a Han Solo movie coming out. You know, they've re, yeah. you know, recast well, I mean, the character. Yeah, and we'll, we'll be getting Harrison Ford as Han Solo merchandise until the day, long after we die. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, so, yeah. So, um, that gave me a little bit of a panic. Um, heart palpitation. Yeah, I got to... I gotta, I, Stop talking about the me dying stuff on the podcast. I'll be losing track. Um, or the third option is that Dave Filoni has some crazy trick up his sleeve that's so badass that he's like, you know, it's worth doing this sort of fake out thing or or whatever we're doing serves the story so well that it's worth all this. And that's honestly what I hope the case is because I like to go in from the positive point of view, the positive side of things and hope for the best and then, you know, see what we're given in the end um but and yeah this is just me thinking i guess but it better be good it better be <coughs> damn good because yeah. you have spent all this time developing ahsoka and her story and her as a person and how she ties into everything else and anakin and the force in general um don't don't end it with something ridiculous to make me not like Ahsoka. And I, right. I'm not saying that you could, but like, don't make it so hard for me to swallow that I, I feel cheated or that I feel, you know, it feels unbelievable. I, 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 you made me like Ahsoka. Don't you 
pull this switch at the end where it's hard for me to understand or justify how she meets her end or doesn't meet her end. Right. And, you know, like I said, all I can really do is hope for the best and hope with whatever creative decisions that they make and go with are are good. And they they pay off. You know, this could be the long game. that's what we do. We yeah. put our faith in them to tell good stories, and they do. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about season three of Rebels. You know, it's coming up in um, just a couple of weeks now. Uh, what, today's the third? So, or to, tomorrow will be the third. So three weeks from tomorrow, the season premiere of Rebels will be coming on. So that's pretty exciting, you know. That is exciting. You know, uh, we'll see where they go. I'm excited about the Thrawn stuff and, and whatever else they have in store. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like Dave Filoni actually does do a good job of taking in fan complaints or questions and stuff and addressing that, whether it be in interviews or, you know, in that um, Rebels Recon show or even in the writing of the show itself. So, you know, maybe he took some of the criticisms of season two into, um, took some of that to heart and, you know, made some adjustments and, you know. That's all we can really hope for. I guarantee you'll never see another lightsaber helicopter. Uh, that is what I'm saying, man. He took that hard on the chin. If he does, it becomes a George Lucas style fucking with Jar-Jar the audience. Binks. Yep. Well, it's I don't his... even. I don't think it's 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 a. I think it's the equivalent of George Lucas getting all the hate for Jar Jar Binks and then being like, "Well, I'm doing this animated show." People have always wanted a Star Wars TV show. Well, guess what? There's going to be several episodes based, uh, you know, revolving around Jar Jar. So, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and um, that's how I could respect the return of the Hella Sabers if it's clearly just to troll all of us that complained about it so much. And <laughs> and I'd be like, all right, Dave Filoni, that was a good one. That was a all good right, one. All right, you Dave. got me. But uh, I think that's about it for this week, buddy. Thanks for recording with me. Oh, man, I love it. We, I think we got this uh, Skype setup going on uh, pretty well now. So, From the feedback I'm hearing, everybody says it sounds good. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of feedback about you uh, being a vocal chameleon when Goose is on the show and your fucking right. country coming out. Brings the country out. I, I, it's, it's Goose being on there and, and being back in Mississippi, man. Life has a slower pace here. The people are different, and not in a bad way, just things are certainly more country in Mississippi. They are indeed. Well, if you guys like our theme song, please, please, please check out the band that provided it for us. They are called Stoned Cobra. They have an album, Armed and Hammered. It is available on iTunes, on Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Please check them out, and if you do, tell them that Blue Harvest sent you. We've got shit for sale. T-shirts, mugs, condoms, fucking shoes. No, just T-shirts, mugs. That's that's about it. Notebooks, notebooks. The notebooks actually look pretty good. And you can get those at tpublic.com slash blueharvestpodcast. Um, Question, why don't yes. we make condoms? Um. Well, if you want to meticulously uh, unwrap condoms, <laughs> unroll them, uh, do a nice blue harvest design on them. Roll no, them just back on the up. outside. They oh, can be whatever on the wrapper. On the yeah, just blue harvest on the wrapper. Hmm. We'll think about it. We'll. I'm gonna have to look at because obviously, like that, you just can't go to a Kinko's and give them an image and be like, "I want 400 <laughs> blue harvest condoms." 
Can you can you uh, run all these Trojans off for me? That could you know what that could be if if we really could get Blue Harvest condoms printed up, I bet you we could get uh, a little notice at Celebration next year passing those out and oh, being yeah. like, look, all you storny horny Star Wars kids, wrap, keep it wrapped up. You better put that shit in carbonite. <laughs> if you don't want to shoot labors, uh, lasers, wrap your saber. Uh, see, look, we got a marketing. Okay. I'm seriously going to look into this now. That's a good idea. In fact, I think just because I was sitting here like, damn, what am I going to name this episode? I think this episode's title is Will's Grand Idea. And people will be like, the whole time they're listening, they're like, I don't, what is Will's Grand Idea? And then here in the last couple minutes of the podcast. It's a trap. Blue Harvest Saber Rappers. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. I'm liking this. Well, anyway, uh, that'll about do it this week uh, for Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>